Oh, my word. That's my nightmare, what just happened. I prefer to hide behind a guitar and a microphone, but I've got one of those today, so hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, morning, church. It is so good to be with you. Um, can we just talk about the heat yesterday for a second? Huh? I thought it was the second coming, or I was about to get raptured. Um, but you know, the one thing we can guarantee here at Olive Tree Church is that it's winter every Sunday, right? And um, no, my beanie is not a couple sizes too small. This is the fashion I have heard. Um, and as you enter your late 30s, all you're trying to do is hold on to your youth for dear life. And so this is my attempt at doing that today. And um, it is so good to be with you this morning. We've had um, a few weeks of just unpacking this idea and this value of ours as a church called Enjoying God. Um, and it's been a really special time. I've really appreciated um, all the messages and everything that our preachers have had to say. And today, I really felt it in my heart and in my spirit that I want us to naturally be a church that, yes, enjoys God, but that understands the importance of spending time with the Father, enjoying the Father, and appreciating His presence in everything we do. Um, we live in a very distracted world. We live in a time where technology and media and entertainment is pulling at our attention 24-7. And I think more than ever, the church is called to model what it looks like to have peace and rest in the presence of our Father. Amen. And um, so I'm going to unpack a bit of that today. I'm going to teach a bit. I'm going to read a bit. So excuse me if I don't break into song as expected. But um, we, um, my wife and I have fallen in love with this restaurant here on Friday Road. It is called Dode. I don't know if any of you have been to it. Can I see any hands for people that have been to Dode? Okay. And I'm seeing smiling faces as I do that, right? So we heard of this place. It had opened up, um, I think, last year sometime. And uh, they're like a pizza restaurant, nothing too fancy. But we heard a few like murmurs and rumors that the food they made there was really incredible, like really amazing food. And um, are you guys sitting at the back there? Oh, I love this. Give a hand for the owners here at church today. <laughs> I did not plan this, and I did not know they would be here. Now I feel really awkward about what I'm about to say. <laughs> yes, I wish I did not see you. This is amazing. Okay, so we hear about this, this restaurant, and... Um, <laughs> and... Uh, the rumors, you know, are that they make amazing food, amazing pizza, that you have to go there. It's a little bit pricey, so for all the churchgoers, I have to warn you, it's not steers, it's not debonairs, it's none of that vibe. It is proper, proper quality food, though, so be willing to take out a credit card, but also be willing to support local, amen? Um, <laughs> take from your tithe, go support, no, don't, <laughs> and... Um, and so anyway, we, we, go to this, we go there for the first time, and um, I actually managed to go once before. My wife shouted at me about that, so anyway, I'm going to talk as if I went for the first time with my wife, because that's the right thing to do as a husband. And we go there, and like Sherry is beaming. She cannot wait. And uh, we get seated at this little table in the corner on this like kind of um, 
stairwell, outside vibe. It's, it's hard to explain. Once you've been there, you'll get it. And it's still like a, a newest restaurant. Like they are coming into their own. They are figuring things out. They are, as they get money, you can see they're improving things. And it's a really cool thing to be a part of, to watch a business grow and become special, right? And so like, you know, the outside area is not like this perfect lawn and this perfect pavement. Like it's sand. You're sitting in sand at this table that maybe like the legs are, I'm so sorry, the legs are a bit like rickety or whatever, and it's cool. Like we're there for the experience, you know, we're like whatever, could not be bothered, this and that, like, and, um, and we're sitting there, and Sherry's sitting, and she's like, look at that aircon unit, it's like hanging off the wall, and this is not their fault, by the way, this is the, the landlord's fault, <laughs> this is not their fault, and there's this aircon that's like rusted and looks like it could like, Fall on someone's head, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so like, it's, it's a work in progress, and I'm sure they would acknowledge that with me. And anyway, so we're sitting there, and we have some drinks, and um, the food comes. And man, when that food comes, it is like, it is quite literally the best pizza you'll ever eat. I can't describe it. I can't give enough information to tell you how good it was, but I promise you now, it is so good. Now, here's why I tell this story. It's because for some people no matter what's going on around them, when the main thing gets put in front of them, they are able to enjoy that with all their heart. Man, when that pizza arrived, I could not give a rip if I was sitting in the sand having it thrown at me while I was eating that beautiful piece of pizza. That aircon unit could have fallen on my head, I would have put a bandage on, and I would have carried on. Give me more pizza, give me more pizza. For others, though, they sit there and they go, where's the paving? This aircon unit is a health hazard. I'm going to report this. Some of us get distracted, right? Get distracted. We, we don't see the gem in this thing. We don't see the gold that's about to present itself. And, um, and what happens is the, the thing arrives, the pizza arrives, or the, the thing you're there to enjoy arrives, and you miss it. You don't have the, the lens to see it. You don't have the heart to feel it. You don't have the eyes to experience it. You miss it. And all you get left, you leave there feeling a little bit like, ah, oh, I really didn't like, that was okay. You know, that wasn't the thing. I feel like I was a bit distracted and a bit off-put by this thing. And, and I think much like life, even in church today, that a lot of our experiences are how much we're able to remind ourselves and focus and give our attention to the right stuff. Even in church, we're guilty of it, right? Oh, the coffee's a little bit bitter. The worship's a bit loud. There's stuff. And never in a million years is this church going to satisfy every simple, like every little desire that we each have, right, in church. Sometimes this is to that and this is to that. But again, if we stay like that and if we remain distracted and we don't allow our hearts to recognize what we are actually here for, you're going to miss out. You're not going to have the capacity to just enjoy God, enjoy His presence, enjoy that delicious pizza that you're going to go book a table at in the coming week. <laughs> Similar thing happened once when my wife and I were, um, we're, we're, we had this amazing opportunity to travel a bit, and we were in Bali, and we were climbing this mountain. We were told that this mountain was a five-kilometer round trip. It turns out it was five kilometers up and then five kilometers down. 
And um, the point of this exercise was that you would climb early in the morning. So you'd wake up at like three and you would kind of with a queue of people go climb this mountain and you get to the top of this thing and you would watch the sunrise over Bali, Indonesia. It was like by far one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. Everything in me just wanted to sit there and enjoy and remind myself that God created everything that I see here this morning. But similar to the story I just told, there were people there who were just trying to capture every thing, moment they could with their selfies and with their phones and drones, and it was like chaos. And all they wanted was to get that post up onto Instagram and get down the mountain and go do the next thing, right? Once again, the inability to recognize the very presence of something beautiful. That is the thing that we are at risk at as a people. As our attention gets, fought, gets sought after by the world as media and information come at us at a million miles an hour, can we stop and can we recognize that God is here right now? That he is with us today. I just want to read, a, rattle off a few facts about, um, about what I'm speaking today. So they did this study that says that 87% of people sleep next to their smartphones. 30% of people between the age of 19 and 29 sleep with their phones in their bed. On average, we're exposed to somewhere between four and 10,000 advertisements a day. And on average, the average person spends three hours and 15 minutes on their phone. In South Africa, we actually rank number fourth with up to five hours a day on our phones. That's equivalent to 70 days a year on your phone. Our attention is the greatest commodity and is literally being studied by corporations to work out how they find the next best trend or marketing strategy to draw the attention of someone and stand out. People are more anxious, stressed out, busy, rushed, pressured online than they've ever been before. If you don't reply to a WhatsApp in the very moment you get a slap on the wrist from your friend, studies show that much like addiction, social media and entertainment is having the same neurological impact as drugs like cocaine. That scrolling once leads to more and to more until you don't really understand why we're even doing it. Dopamine hits and craving for approval feed this monster and as a result, our ability to focus switch off and quiet the noise and remove distraction is at war. In a time where God desires our full attention, what we give to him are short bursts because we have lost the ability to withdraw and just be present with him. We're trying to outsource the curation of our consciousness to something else. Let me say that again. We are trying to outsource the curation of our consciousness to something else. We would rather zone out, switch off, scroll, watch a show, then be present. I believe in a time where we are most distracted and inundated with media and information, God's people are called to model what rest and peace looks like. It makes complete sense to me that as the world moves in a direction filled with more tech and entertainment, that we move towards God and simplicity. That as the world becomes more chaotic, we remain more at rest. Enjoying God begins with the conscious an intentional pause that says to our heart, he is here and I am here with him. Can we pray quickly? Father, thank you that you are here.
and that we are here with you. Whatever's going on, whatever we walked in with God, we choose to surrender it at your feet. And we say thank you, Father, that by your Son, Jesus Christ, that you have gifted us with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit inhabits and lives with us and guides us and speaks to us. And so right now, Father, as a church, as a community, and as a people, we recognize that today, that you are here and we are here with you. There is very little that matters outside of that, Jesus. And so we choose to give you this moment and we choose to give you this day to the best of our abilities. Amen. So the evidence is a little bit overwhelming, right? That distraction and our attention are at war with each other. Um, I was reading Romans 12 where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So don't do as the world does, but allow God to renew your mind so you can live the way he has called you to live. Our minds need to be renewed, reprogrammed, recalibrated so that we can lean towards the Father to fully enjoy him. Simple measures don't seem to work and extreme measures seem unattainable for us today. But truth be told, life with Jesus means sacrifice and surrender whilst recognizing that he is with you. We often talk about this idea of design here at Olive Tree Church. And me being a, a worship leader or just loving worship, I love to talk about the fact that we are designed to worship. We are designed to worship something. Colossians 1 verse 6 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We are created through and in the Father and in God, but we are also created for him. We are created for the, the role of giving him glory. We are created to lift him up, to give him praise. We are not here for our own agendas. We're not here to build our own storehouses and build our own mansions and create our own lives and futures. We are here for him. That is why he created us. Ross has opened up this idea quite a few times in the, in the last few weeks where he speaks about God's desire is to dwell with his people. He shows it in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He shows it with the Israelites time and time again through the temple and the tabernacle. And he shows it once again through Jesus coming to earth to be with us, but then also dying for us so that we can have him inside of us and live within us. God so desires to be with you to dwell with you, but he also desires a worshiping people. Here's the thing about design and about worship is that we are made to worship something. So for some of us, worshiping God is really simple. It comes really naturally to you. For others of us, there's, there's stuff in our lives and stuff in our heart where if we're honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge the fact that there are, there are idols that exist in us, Right? And what happens with that is that you realize that what you worship, you become. You become like that which you worship. If you have an idol of money or finance in your life, you will most likely hold on and be greedy. 
your struggle to be generous. If you abide in fear, you will be an anxious person. And this is not to portray like this is who you are and this is what you're doing and we should all feel bad about it. No, it's just to recognize, to recognize the very thing going on in ourselves because God has designed us a certain way. So it makes sense that our very design will be under attack, right? That because we are created and designed to worship him, to be with him, to dwell with him, that Satan is going to take every opportunity he can to come at that every single day. He goes, oh, like the snake, you think this is a good idea? Here's a better idea. And you think God wants this for you? No, he, I actually want this for you. This is the reward you'll receive as a result. Don't give your money to this thing. Don't be generous. Keep it for yourself. You need it for this one day. Simple little things like that. God wants to set you free, but he wants to set you free within the world that he has designed you. He wants to set you free within yourself so you can be the person he has called you to be. It is our responsibility to create and take responsibility for where our consciousness chooses to go. If we want to enjoy God the way we've spoken about for the last couple of weeks, then being intentional about how we use our time and protect that commodity of our attention and worship matters more than ever. I want to um, read Luke 15, because I want to talk a little bit about solitude. Who struggles with solitude? Is solitude a foreign idea to people? You can raise your hand. Is it hard, solitude? Is it hard to find a quiet time or a quiet space in your day-to-day life? Or the parents are like, I have a two-year-old. There's no such thing. I'm not for a second going to tell you how to live your life. But what I want to do is I want to show you how Jesus lived. And I pray that that is enough to get a conviction and a revelation into you that helps you to fight for these disciplines. There's no good me telling you like, our parents, just shake it off. You'll be fine. If you don't fundamentally believe that Jesus wants this for you or God wants this for you, you won't have the conviction or the revelation to carry it out in your day to day. No matter what I say. And so I really pray that as I speak about this stuff, that you hear Jesus' voice in this. Luke 15 says that by now, even more the report about him went abroad, referring to Jesus. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, I don't know how to put this more into context. But what I could imagine is that the disappointment experienced in that crowd or those people's hearts when Jesus said, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to go and spend time with my father, would have been quite high. They've heard of his miracles. They've heard of what he's done. They want nothing more than to be in the very presence of Jesus Christ so they can receive something. They can be healed They can be prayed for. They can touch the hem of his garment. They just want to be in the presence of Jesus. But Jesus turns from that very crowd in that moment and goes, no, I'm going here. I'm going to do this thing. What's your crowd? 
Because, man, if we're measuring up against that, I think what it does is it gives us perspective. I'm very quick to elevate my busyness and go, man, I'm so busy. I've got all this stuff going on. Our culture loves it. They celebrate it. The A-type busy person with 30 things on in one day, man, you go. You've got this thing. Look at you. You're killing it. I think there's still room. What is your crowd? What is the thing that you have to be so disciplined in saying no to so that you can draw near to the Father? If Jesus can say no to aspects of his ministry, the very thing he was put on earth to do, to be with people, to pray for people, to heal people, if he can say no to that for a moment, what are we able to say no to? Now, if I put myself in Jesus' feet for just a moment, I'd imagine that he was a bit worn out. He'd been going from town to town, spending lots of time with people. And in Scripture in the New Testament, you see these patterns that as he goes on these long journeys of of ministry and and, um, going from place to place, he almost lets it build, lets it build, and then he withdraws. And he goes into a place of solitude. And I think that's because he knows that There's only so much I can give to the people and to the crowd based on how much I'm receiving from the Father. We can work as hard as we want. We can strive, we can build, and we can call it very honorable. But that will be completely empty if we don't know how to go here. It can serve no purpose and make zero difference to the people around us because we're not going here. So what we're carrying in these environments is ourselves. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look how good I am. When instead what we should be doing is stepping into all the spaces that we are demanded of and asked of and carry the very presence of the Father with us into that space. That when we step into the crowd, when we step into noisy environments, when we step into our workplace, when we step into social Um, things that happen over the weekend, when we step into family engagements, when we step into school, we carry the presence of God. Why? Because we know what it means to be with Him. We know what it means to draw on Him. We understand that just as Jesus did, I need to do. That my life is no exception. That if I can find a place of solitude with Him, then what I carry into the crowd will be a gift and will be an overflow and an anointing. I want to read from um, the story of Mary and Martha for a moment. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
man, this, I've been reading this thing over and over again. We have two people in the story. We have the distracted person and the present person. What was expected of the time was that the, the woman of the house or the household would tend to the visitors, prepare the food, make the place clean, serve in whichever way they possibly could. That was the expectation. We all go through life with expectations, right? But something in Mary's spirit recognizes the moment. She recognizes that this is not just a regular person who has come to sit in my kitchen or in my house. This is Jesus Christ. And what Mary does is she chooses to submit herself and to surrender the expectation, the thing that she is supposed to do to be with him. And what Martha does is she runs around frantic, distracted, caught up in all the work, caught up in everything she should do, and she misses out on the very opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. She misses it. She doesn't see it. She doesn't realize the weightiness of the moment. Who is in the room with you? Martha did what was expected of her, and Jesus isn't calling her out for that. He's calling her out for the fact that she is too distracted to see what she should be doing, to respond the way Mary is responding to him. The beautiful thing about Mary is her posture, and that's what I want to just hone in on for a moment here. Because she sits at the feet of Jesus. Psalm 100 speaks about that, the, um, about sitting at the footstool of God, about worshiping at his footstool. Worshiping in the context of that scripture represents surrender. It represents all of me is at your feet. All of me is surrendered before you, God. Have it all. I think in that moment in the story, what's happening is Mary is coming before Jesus and going, Man, you can have everything, all of me. No work, no striving, no preparation is ever going to suffice to what I can actually give you, which is my heart. And that's all I want to give you today. Our posture is just as important as solitude. It's no good that we come into these times with God and all we do is we request, we request, we request, we need something, we need something, we need something. Don't get me wrong, we get to pray those prayers from time to time. But I think the greatest reward is in prayer is not answered prayer, it's abiding in Him. It's building relationship with Jesus, building relationship with our Father, getting to know Him. And if we want that, we need to be a people that posture ourselves in a, in a, in a way that represents surrender. That represents God, I want to give you everything. I want you to have my entire life, all my heart, all my desires, all those idols I've carried for this many years, all those distractions. I'm just going to lay them down. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to surrender myself because I want to be used. I want to carry a gift into the environments I go into. I want to carry the gift of your presence but it requires me surrendering myself and recognizing the very presence that it is here with me 
today, that it sits at my table and he invites me to sit with him and to be with him and to commune with him and to speak with him and to pray with him. I heard this beautiful story about Mother Teresa. She was doing this um, BBC interview many years ago. And this, um, this gentleman was obviously trying to understand her, which if you've watched a few Mother Teresa interviews, it is, it is very hard to understand that peace and tranquility that she carried. And this gentleman asked her, um, what do you pray when you pray to God? She says, nothing. I just listen. And there's this really great pause between the two of them. And she's completely content in the pause. Like she could sit there for hours and this gentleman could <laughs> feel as uncomfortable as he could feel, right? And he's thinking, he's thinking, he's like, well, what does he say? And she says, nothing. He just listens. And it's, it's a beautiful story. It's kind of funny and comedic at the same time. But she looks at him after that and she says, it's too hard to explain. I think our relationship with God, we made it so complicated most of the time. And truth be told, the Father, it's really simple. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to spend time with you. He wants to get to know you so you can get to know him. It's his greatest desire that he raises up sons and daughters. And we can't be sons and daughters until we understand who the Father is. And today, that's my prayer for us as a church, that we do everything we can to remove the distraction. And we try, I guess, to implement some of these disciplines that we can do. Create moments of solitude in your day where you find the opportunity. Find moments to posture yourself before, before God in a way that goes, God, I am yours and you are mine, and I want to live a life surrendered to you. And we can do all this stuff, and I really want us to push into it. I really believe that if we as a church get this right, that it will, it will shape us, it will change us. But do it under the banner of knowing that God just wants to be with you that he loves every single one of us and he just wants to pour that love out onto you. Can we stand as I pray? Father, thank you for the gift that is your presence. And we just say thank you, God, that you want to be with us, that you want to get to know us, that you desire a relationship with every single person in this room. And Father, we as a community just want to say to the best of our ability that we want to enjoy you and we want to live lives that create space to enjoy you. And so Lord, even in the, the very rare quiet moments that we have in our day to day, I pray that we have the presence of mind to stop to stop and to recognize that you are there with us in everything, God. That as we practice that in our, in our silent, solitude, beautiful, peaceful moments that we have with you, God, that we'll be able to carry that gift into the noise 
and the chaos of, of work life, of everything else that we have to do. God, that we will know your voice in the solitude so that we can know your voice when everything else is loud. So God, we just want to stand here as a surrendered people, recognizing that today and recognizing you, God. And Lord, we say as a church that we love you. We honor you. We worship you. We lift you up, God. Thank you that you're here with us today. Thank you that your presence is here with us today, God. And thank you for everything that you're going to do in the future of this church, Lord Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. It's been so good being with you. I think there's food and stuff on sale outside, so grab some food and enjoy some coffee and tea. Have a good day.